0: Find the book of Haggai, would you please? The book of Haggai, if it sticks together, just look over at the front and uh, you'll see the table of contents. It'll tell you which page it is. I can find it because I have a paper clip on mine. That's the only reason. But uh, years ago, uh, when I was uh, in evangelism, I got a call from a church out in Farmington, New Mexico I had never heard of the preacher or the church but back in those days it didn't make any difference if somebody wanted a revival we'd we'd go and try to have one and so I never shall forget I got off the plane and preacher picked me up and the first thing he said when I sat down in the car he said preacher if you didn't bring revival with you We're not going to have it because we've not done anything to prepare for it. And he was right. We didn't have it because I didn't take it in my pocket. Revival is not carried about by a preacher. Revival is prayed down by a bunch of folk. And until we realize we need revival and want revival, we'll not have revival. As long as we're satisfied with the status quo, as long as we're satisfied with just a little dab, we'll do you. Uh, We'll never have revival. And so I thought we'd not be guilty when Dr. Arthur gets here. We will not have to say, if you didn't bring it in your pocket, we're not going to have it because we haven't done anything to get it. So this morning, I'd like to begin preaching on the thought of revival. To you, what would revival be? Could it be uh, maybe springtime again? Winter's gone, coldness, and all of a sudden, the flowers in your life spiritually begin to bloom. The birds in your life begin to sing. You get a little click in your step, a song in your heart, a word saying it's good to be saved. It's good to be saved. Haggai chapter number 1. And the Bible says in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, Came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, It is not it is not come the time that we build the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house lay waste. For months, for weeks, now for years, fourteen years to be exact, the Jews, made a makeshift altar and set it on a slab of concrete while the house of God lays in trash and derbish and waste. And they've been satisfied to bring their offerings to a makeshift altar on a half-completed house and to serve God on that altar. no respect for God no yearning to honor God just an habitual kind of religion they just showed up regardless of what the yard looked like, the church looked like the temple looked like just don't pay any attention to the trash and the rubbish of a destroyed temple. After all, we've got a foundation and a makeshift altar. And for 14 years, the people of God have become so self-satisfied with what they have, literally became couch potatoes, carelessly serving God saying all along it's not time to build the house of God. It's not time to get involved in the work of God. It's not time when I get my crops laid by. When I get my 401k all built up, when I get around to it, then it'll be time to build the house of God. Verse 4, verse Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lay waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Have you ever marked this in your Bible? Consider your ways. You've sown much, and you bring in little. Do you ever have any month left over when your money runs out? how is it living from payday to payday? Does it throw you behind when one check don't clear and they start adding $30 for every one that doesn't? You so much, you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. Yet you clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, watch this, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Have you ever heard of inflation? That's inflation. Consider your wage. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build a house, and I will take pleasure in it, I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, though it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow up on it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of my house, that is waste. And you run every man to your own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew. And the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land. And upon the mountains, upon the corn, upon the new wine, upon the oil, and upon that which ground bringeth forth, and upon men, upon cattle, and upon all the labors of the hands, Kind of sounds like America, doesn't it? No matter how much we make, it's not enough. No matter how much junk we accumulate, there's always a blue light special down at Walmart.
1: No matter how many credit
0: cards we have, there's always room for another one. well, People of God has fallen into a complacent, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about in Haggai. People of God has fallen into a careless, satisfied state of comfort. Don't mess with me. That makes you altar sitting on that unfinished temple is fine with me. As long as I have cedared walls in my house paneled walls in my house. I'm not so sure these folk didn't take the paneling that's supposed to be in the temple and build their own house with. You say, well, I, I don't know I do that. You still got God's tithe in your pocket? We might have a problem in America. Somebody bigger than Obama might have called for a drought In America, a spiritual drought, an emotional drought, a domestic drought when over half of the folks who are married end up in divorce, a moral drought when now the same sex are marrying the same sex, a moral drought when people care more about dogs and cats than they do about babies. A spiritual drought. You say, well, we have an election coming up. Election ain't going to fix it. The election is not going to impress God. The only thing ain't going to impress God is when God's people humble themselves and pray. And seek his face and turn from the wicked way. We got a problem. What in the world can we do about this problem? Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shaqtiel, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, 49,987 Jews, 16 years ago, left Babylon, made their way across the Arabian desert, a four-month journey, and began to work on rebuilding the temple of God, the remnant. And the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Now notice, Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Have you ever heard this? I'd just rather not stir things up. Let them simmer. Let them simmer till it burns. Let it just sit there. Don't mess with it. Don't move it around. Don't stir it. Don't mess with it. So God stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shat, governor, and Judah, and he stirred the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, And he stirred the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord. Could you stand some stirring? Are you one of those who say, don't mess with me? Don't dare say anything, preacher, that cuts across my grain. Don't stir me up, preacher. Don't bother me. I'm comfortable. What well, am at. Don't you dare try to get me to move for God. Just leave me alone, and I'll show up with my temperature 98.6 for an hour and a half. And if it goes over that, you've got me stirred all right, especially tonight at 7.30. And he stirred the spirit of comfortable, complacent, cold, and comfortable Christians. He stirred their spirit. From where I stand, it looks like maybe some of you folk could stand some stirring. It looks like that you might just be simmering a little. Satisfied. I believe we need a stirring. Hmm? We date our passage at about 520 bc there is a companion passage found in ezra chapter 1 in your bible in ezra chapter number 1 16 years previous 16 years previous to haggai chapter 1 We read in the book of Ezra, chapter 1. Now, the context is the people of God has been in Babylon in captivity for 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar went into Jerusalem, 606 B.C., and literally destroyed the temple, hauled off to captivity, people you might have heard of. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And 70 years now has transpired, and to fulfill Scripture, God has to do something to get that bunch of captives that have settled down in Babylon, that have become comfortable in Babylon, bought houses in Babylon, has businesses in Babylon, And for 70 years, they've been there. Well, what in the world can God do to move this people from Babylon four months across the Arabian Desert there to fulfill Scripture and begin to rebuild the temple? What can He do? Verse 1 of Ezra, chapter 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven, hath given me all the kingdom of the earth and hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah. Well, Cyrus, single-handed, cannot rebuild the temple. Cyrus, a Gentile heathen king, cannot perform the work. Look at verse 4. And whosoever remaineth in any place... Where he sojourneth, let the men of that place help him with silver and gold and goods and beasts besides the free will offerings. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priest and the Levites. Now watch this. With all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Maybe God's people, once again, needs their spirit stirred. A preacher, you make me mad when you preach. That's one definition of stirred. A preacher, you make me happy when you preach. That's another definition of stirred. Preacher, you don't do much for me. That's another definition of backslid. Preacher, I don't see what you're talking about. That's a definition of cold. God's solution for a captivity of people who have become comfortable and Maybe fearful a dab of the four-month journey of the, of the highwaymen and of the thieves and of the crooks and of the beasts that might be in the four-month journey. I don't know what it is, but maybe God saw that just, just something wasn't enough. He needed to stir people up to go across that desert and rebuild the house of God. And they went to work. And for two years, they worked on the foundation. And for two years, they worked feverishly without any reservation at all. And for two years, they they built a, a, a building down on uh, Mountain Valley Boulevard. And, and for years, they built another building up on uh, Highway 174 and, and they bought buses and they absolutely done everything you can imagine and then they got comfortable and then they began to enjoy the beauty and the extravagance of what God has done and then they just quit. And the same preacher that was preaching when they came is preaching now, but they just don't get out of it what they used to because he's not as young and can't jump as high and do jumping jacks and flopping jinnies on the platform and he's not entertaining like he used to and notice all the jokes are old. He's used all the funny stories. He's pulled every trick. He's pulled every light bulb. He's flipped every switch, and I'm done. I'm done. Me teach a class. Me work on a bus. Me carry tracks in my pocket. Me concerned about sinners. Well, I've got a business to run, and I've got... Kids to raise, and i got ball games to go to, and I've got little leagues, and I've got... No, you're done. You're done. You say, who are you talking to? Them that are done. And God said, the folks in Babylon are done. I think I'll just do something that they can't get over. I think I'll give them something they can't upchuck or spit out. I think I'll reach deeper than their emotions. I think I'll uh, reach deeper than just their inner being. I'm going to reach way down, and I'm going to let my spirit bear witness with their spirit that they are the children of God. And once again they may realize how wonderful it is to be saved. And I'll just put the wonder back into it all. And I think I'll just not mess with their body. I'll not mess with their soul. I'm going to reach way down and take the spoon of divinity and just reach way down in the Belly of their being and stir their spirit. Make them happy that heaven is real. Well, I'll probably die preaching and you'll sit there and not give a grunt. I say we need a stirring, a stirring of the spirit. A staring that takes our lackadaisical complacency and pitches out the world, out the window of conformity and be transformed into the image of God's dear Son. It was such a thing as the Apostle Paul said, yonder on Mars Hill. And he began to see the idolatry all around him. And the Bible said when he saw all the idolatry around him, his spirit was stirred. And he preached the famous message called Preaching at Mars Hill. Read it sometime in Acts chapter 17 those kind of messages only come by the stirring of the Spirit of God. You've heard of Job, I'm sure. Everybody's heard of Job. Job, a man who lost all of his wealth and all of his family. And then at last he lost his health. And then he lost the Encouragement of his dear wife when she said old man just cursed God and die." set it in sackcloth and ashes scraping the running putrefying boils off himself an old man who's sick broke and alone and three of his best friends throwed accusations at him you deserve what you got because sin in your life and a young man his name is Elihu. He stayed silent because of his age. And when everybody else had already said their part, Elihu looked at Job. And he said, Job, I know. It's hard to understand why you're going through all these troubles. And then he said in Job thirty-two eight. But there is a spirit in men, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Job, you ain't never going to understand what you've gone through apart from God's spirit bearing witness with your spirit. God's spirit will give you understanding. Listen to it. If you don't understand where America is, you need a stirring. Well, preacher, I'm going through some things right now, and I don't understand it. Hey, there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty give us, us understanding. I am not very smart, so I thought I'd look up in the dictionary what Inspire means. It means to breathe in, to infuse thought and feeling, to arouse. Do you think Christianity needs to be aroused? Seems to me like she's asleep. Seems to me like that the average church member is satisfied and comfortable right where they are. Well, Job 32, 18 says, the spirit within me constrains me. See, if I don't want to go to church, I don't have to because my spirit is giving me orders. My spirit constrains me. But God's Spirit, bearing witness with my Spirit, unconstrains me. up, if God were to tell you to shout this morning, what would your response be? It's not me, buddy. I ain't embarrassing myself in you. We don't mind embarrassing ourselves everywhere else. Bring one of the kids. Let them shout. They don't mind embarrassing you down at Walmart. Spirit under control of the wrong person. Preacher, you don't know what you're talking about, but I'm guessing close, ain't I? Paul said every Christian needs their renew in the Spirit. Be renewed in the spirit, not in the soul, not in the body, spirit. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we, what, are the sons of God. You doubt your salvation, there's something wrong with your spirit, not your soul or your body. Well, let me close. You say, you want to close right now? Not really, but I thought I'd... I wrote down on my notes here at three minutes till just say, let me close. I think, and since I've been here a little while, since I've seen them come and go and then come and then go then come and wish they had gone I think I can observe and say without a shadow of doubt the spirit of this church needs stirring you say but it's, it's it's the best but we don't compare ours with others we compare ours with this You say, it's just like I want it. Well, that's not the problem. It needs to be like God wants it. Amen. It was necessary in Ezra chapter 1 in 336 B.C. that they be stirred to see the real need. It was necessary in 536 B.C in the book of Ezra to make the journey. The stirring of the Spirit was necessary in 536 B.C. for the people of God once and for all to do the will of God. The stirring of the Spirit was necessary in 536 B.C. to act in faith because for 70 long years they had been cheered and they had been mocked and people had come up to the people of God and said, "Say, would you sing me one of the songs of Zion? Sing me about that God Jehovah. Talk about there's victory in Jesus. And they said, How can we? Sing the songs of Zion with our hearts hanging on the willow trees. For 70 long years, they had no song. For 70 long years, they had no altar. For 70 long years, the Bible is lost. For 70 long years, God is silent. And all of a sudden, God begins to stir and remind them that God is real again. That God is alive again. And God is well again. If they needed it in 536 B.C., I'd say to you tonight, today, today, what is this? Today or tonight? It was necessary in Haggai, 520 B.C., 16 years after the stirring in 536 B.C. It was necessary to awaken the people of God to the debris and the garbage surrounding the altar of God. The stirring of the Spirit was necessary in Haggai to open the eyes of a sleep and satisfied, selfish bunch of saints. It was necessary to breathe new life into the saints of God, to give them a vision of what the world had become and how precious heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. It was necessary In the book of Ezra, the stirring of the Spirit was necessary in Haggai. I'd like to know why it's not necessary today. The Bible says in John 6 and 63, it is the Spirit that quickeneth or make a It's not programs. It's not buildings. It's not offerings or new buses. It's the Spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit that gives life. Well, I just don't see the need coming Sunday night. You're the one who needs revival. I thought I'd be smart and look up in the dictionary and see what stir means. We take a lot for granted, don't we? Stir means to move, to make active, or to excite. They look excited to you. I've seen more excitement and opening of an umbrella. Amen, Reverend. Excite. Move. To make active. So, God said, I guess the only way I'm going to get that bunch of backslidden Jews to leave Babylon is to stir them. Reach way down there and get a hold of their spirit. Take the spoon of divinity and just stir them. I want you to know something. You'll know it when God stirs. You'll know it. I wrote right here. You need to close again. Because it's three after. We need to be stirred. We need to be stirred in our spirit. This stirring is always from God. Notice verse 14 of Haggai. The Bible said in Haggai chapter 1. Verse 14. Watch this now. Verse 13 said, "In then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred Zerubbabel, Joshua and the remnant of the people. Stirring is always from God. I'm going to give you a little uh, physiological lesson for just a minute. Before I do, I'm going to read you a verse over in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. And the Bible said the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God gives us kind of an outline of how we're made. We are a trinity. I thought somebody said, and God made man in his image. God is a trinity. Man is a trinity. I have two coon dogs in my backyard. Probably I need to rephrase that. I have two dogs in my backyard that should be coon dogs. They have a body, they have a soul, but they do not have a spirit. All of us here today have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. We are a trinity, just like our Heavenly Father. Everybody has a body, and in that body you have a circulatory system, a digestive system, and a nervous system. Another trend. All of us have a soul, and in that soul we have affections, emotions, and will. Have you ever seen this? They're down in their spirit. That's error. You're down in your soul, and all of us have a spirit. With our body, we are environmentally conscious. We, re- we relate to our environment. Our environment with our body. With our body, we are world conscious. with our soul we relate to man. We become self-conscious. But with our spirit, our mind, our communion, our conscience, we relate to God. God never Speaks to your body. God never speaks to your soul. He speaks to your spirit. His spirit. Are you listening? Beareth witness with our spirit. Well, preacher, the spirit and the soul are the same thing. Then why did the Hebrew writers say that the word of God divideth asunder the soul? and the spirit if they're the same thing. Just ask. But each, the spirit, the soul, and the body affects each other. A lot of folk go to the doctor because they have their spiritual problem taken out. Now, I didn't say this. A friend of mine said this years ago, a preacher friend of mine. I went to the hospital to see him, and I said, what are you doing in here? He said, I'm having my tithe taken out. Your spirit affects your soul. Your soul affects your body. God speaks to the Spirit. Your Spirit does the rest. You know what you need? You need to quit worrying so much about your body. And worrying so much about your emotions. Start worrying about your relationship with God. And then all of those other things would fall right into place. Well, what needs to happen? You need to get stirred. You need for God to reach in there and grab a hold of you and shake you up and down to make you realize you're not right. As self-righteous as you might be, you're not right. Do you know what Job said just before Elihu said that the spirit of man and God gives understanding to that spirit. You know what he did? He told everybody he was right in his own eyes. So God had to stir his spirit to give him understanding that he wasn't as righteous as he thought he was. Well, it's a fact. We all need stirring. And it's a fact God always one that does the stirring. And it's a fact that the stirring always comes through God's Word. Hmm? Haggai preached God's message. And God, through the message, stirred the spirit of those complacent, good people who had just become indifferent to the things of God and God stirred them kind of like Jonah when he went into Nineveh at the second command of God and said yet forty days and Nineveh shall be destroyed and those folks realized it was a message from God. And spiritually, that whole city repented in sackcloth and ashes. And the king repented in sackcloth and ashes. Because preaching, listen to me, is always to the spirit, not the body or the soul. You know a fellow left our church one time and came to my office He said, I don't like you preaching to my face. I said, well, if you'd like to expose another part of your anatomy, I'd be glad to preach to that. Face is what I see. Face is the expression of the soul and the spirit. Amen? Oh, it was the uh, same thing that happened and on the day of Pentecost and all... Put together in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven to the sound of a mighty rushing wind and filled the place where they were seated. And there was cloven tongues of fire set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Some smarling from the crowd said, Look at that bunch of Jews, they're drunk with new wine. Peter knew better than say that bunch of Baptists didn't drink. He just said it's the wrong time of day to get drunk. Then Peter stood up and preached an earth-shaking message from the Word of God. You know what the Bible says? When he got through, they were pricked in their hearts. Deep down below their face, they were pricked in their hearts. And he responded, what shall we do? And the next verse said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse forty-one said, "And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and three thousand was added to the number." Preaching is always to the spirit, and he gets down below where we live. I wrote right here. Time to close again. In Luke chapter twenty-four, it talks about two men going down to the road of Emma- uh, Emmaus. And Jesus comes alongside him, the resurrected Christ, comes along beside him and begins to walk with him. And he asks him a question. Why is your conversation as such? And why are you so sad? They begin to relate to Jesus. He must be a stranger in town. Don't you know what just happened at Jerusalem? Verse 30 they and Jesus said it meet and Jesus opened their eyes and exited the place. Have you ever read verse 32? And those two men said, did not our hearts burn within us while well, he talked with us along the way and opened to us the Scripture?" stirring of the spirit is always from God through his word you say well I'm mad well you've been stirred you say it's time to go you're stirred I kept here this long just to see if we could stir you ball game be a lot longer than that tonight Wouldn't it have been terrible if we had the rangers playing the same kind the cowgirls are? We'd wear that remote out and not gripe about sitting in front of that one-eyed monster for four hours while all of a sudden we're mad because a preacher held us an hour. We need stirring. We don't need to come to church with a wristwatch. We need to come to church with our Bible not worry too much about how our hair looks. We to worry about how our spirit looks. And all of God's people said, Amen. Oh, David, after he had sinned, he said, my bones are broken. My heart is broken. My relationship is with God is is in shambles and I don't know what I need and He said, maybe, Lord, if you could just renew in me a right spirit and return unto me the joy of thy salvation, then I'll teach transgressors thy ways. A question, and we're done. What do you think? motivated that religious Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus to make his way through the dark streets of Jerusalem to find the Savior? What moved that religious nut? What moved that religious dresser to find his way through the streets at night to find he who addressed his master. Well, I know that the heart of teacher comes from God. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Do you think maybe the Holy Spirit of God had reached into that old religionist heart and begin to stir it? Huh? Jesus just did not beat around the bush. Marvel not, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, except you may be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been born again? See, if I have not been born again, I cannot see the kingdom of heaven. My spirit is still void of the Spirit of God. I wonder today, do we need stirring? We have a great church. We have great people. People who love God. People who sacrifice for God. People who are cold and indifferent concerning God. We just need stirring. We need a revival. You see, one definition of stirs to move. It moves the politician to run for office. Well, we got a bunch of folks stirred in the Republic Party. It moves the scientist to experiment. It moves the inventor to invent. It moves the songwriter It moves the pastor and vision people being saved. It moves the Christian to obey. It moves the missionary to a foreign land. The stirring of God moves the church to sacrifice and to sin. It moves the sinner to the Savior. It moves the saint to soul winning. Dear God, I ask you please stir us. the pastor of this church, the founder of this church, I ask God to stir us, to stir us, we're cold, apathetic, indifferent, busy, and backslidden. Dear God, please,